This is Many Lamps in the Room, a podcast by and for New City Church in Vienna, Virginia. Starting this week, we're going to post a multi-part conversation about the Israel-Gaza conflict that I had with Mo and Haura, two members of New City who have personal ties to the Middle East. We begin this week by going over some basic context. Before we get to that, however, we always like to start our podcast with a brief discussion about the catechism question from this Sunday's liturgy. The question for this week is, what does God's law require of us? And the answer, Christ teaches us this in summary in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Any thoughts? Well, the second one is really hard, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Some people make it easier than others. I don't think it is possible to truly love one another without recognizing the the blessing that we have from God and loving God Mm. for blessing us in such ways. But man, is it hard sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. And our society really focuses on the second, on the ethics, right? Mm -hmm. And on how do we get along as a people, as a society. But as you implicated, the two commandments are connected. Yeah. You know, you can't have one without the other. And the first commandment, the first one mentioned, actually takes priority. And the second second derives from it. I do second what... Mo said, it it gets really hard Mm. to, especially with the second part, not that the first part is necessarily always easy. The second part, it's very fascinating, even for me to see how much I can be similar to a Pharisee in looking at others and being like, goodness, I'm glad I'm not like this. I had a moment today where I was very frustrated with a coworker where I said, I'm glad I'm not like this. And in my head of heads, I knew that it was wrong to think, I'm glad I'm not like that person. And I still yet couldn't resist, but be really annoyed with them and be glad that I wasn't like them. And so. That verb love Mm. covers so much. It covers outward actions, but it also covers interior feelings and interior attitudes and and just the way you perceive uh, God and other people. And it's, it's, there's a natural focus for us because we see the people around us. We interact with them regularly to really focus on that second commandment and to realize where we fall short of that. But our, whenever we do, it's an indication of how we fall short in that first commandment too. (laughs) I think sometimes it's helpful to try and really define what something means instead of it becoming like Mm. Christian jargon and stuff Mm. that we repeat without really understanding. So how do you guys think we can love God and Mm. what are ways that we can actually fulfill that? Is it just like a feeling that you get or is it more than just a feeling? The feeling by itself is easily misguided Mm. and very fickle. I don't think love is possible without gratitude. So I think think one of the best ways to love God is to truly be grateful for all the blessings that he has showered us with. I mean, the fact that we can even have this conversation and we're not 
mm-hmm. we're not doomed is a huge blessing in itself, not mm-hmm. to mention the, day, the day-to-day blessings that all, everyone takes for granted. Mm-hmm. I, I confess that for most of my life, I really struggled with these verses because I myself feel very, feel usually pretty cut off from my emotions, actually. And a lot of what I've been through in my life, my main way of coping with it has been to, you know, to distance myself from emotions and push it down, push them down or, or such. And so the idea of loving God has always seemed difficult, if not impossible to me, because it's like, well, I already have a hard time loving anything, including other people. But then like loving God, who seems like an abstract concept almost. Yep. Right. That seems like a step that I can't even approach. And, Mm. And I think when at some point you sort of you worry that am I am I feeling enough? Am I doing enough in terms of like having enough affection? You know, am I grateful enough? Even that part. Right. And then, you know, there, there's been times where I did feel or I did feel like I was, but then I wonder, oh, but am I just being emotionally manipulated? You know, for some of us, there's all sorts of suspicion around, you know, even that very word love over time. I've realized the more I know God, the more I naturally love him. The more that I can understand who he is, what his character is, what he's done for me, for us, then the affections do come. The same way that you grow in a relationship with somebody, you just have to spend time with them. You just have to have faith in them. You have to learn to trust their motivations, learn to trust their character. And um, eventually some of those defenses start falling away, I think. But again, that's not something that happens accidentally, right? For, you know, just happens just because it happens that can require intentionality. It can require work, it can require just time. I mean, to me, these, these commandments are not just commandments. They're promises. They're a statement of hope. They're saying, you know, I love you, you will love me. I love you, you will love others. It'll be it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully we don't have to do it alone. Yeah. And God's there with us. Yeah. That that would be very dark. Because I I mean I joke sometimes. I'm like, oh the second one would be really easy if if it was just me everywhere. Like be very easy. I'd always agree with myself, but then <laughs> eventually I'd get annoyed with myself too. So no, if <clears throat> all kidding aside, I mean the w- without the first, I just don't think the second is possible. Mm-hmm. It's it, it would be very transactional at best. Mm. Mm. Uh, if if you treat me well and make me feel loved, then I'll love you back. Yeah. And the minute that changes, it'll change. Yeah. And, and the thing with God is. <laughs> You can't have that transaction with God. Yeah, there's. It's not possible. We're we're greatly in debt. Yeah. The commandment to love God it, it can be, it can become such a burden when you make it more of a work or something that you need to achieve. Mm. And instead of 
a result of your relationship with God, it becomes sort of a a task that you're given and mm. you're constantly trying to please God or you, you're, mm. it, I have experienced, you know, this loving God in a way that felt more like a works righteousness situation. Mm. Like mm. once I am good enough, I will feel like I love God. But mm. for now, because I don't feel like I love him, maybe I'm just not good enough mm. yet. And again, that also bleeds into your relationship with others because um, the way if you think that you're very sinful and God still loved you no matter what, no matter what you did, you would be able to like love others because mm. you know that it, you're not that great and you've mm. been given much more than you deserve. But if you feel like I could still make it, I could still get my worth, it kind of yeah. messes up both of them. Whenever something happens with Hamas, then it, it just it derails the conversations. And unfortunately, the Palestinian Authority does not have much say-so as far as what happens in Gaza with Hamas. Well, I invited uh, both of you on the podcast, and I am so grateful that you guys agreed <laughs> we're able to come <laughs> and we're willing to talk because I think sometimes there are issues that people just find really uncomfortable to talk about. They feel like these are third rail topics. These, these are topics that people can be very, very passionate and or very, very sensitive about because both of you have personal connections to the Middle East. And because I know that both of you are dealing with lots of different reactions to what's been happening in, in the news and current events, I thought it would be really valuable to, to have this conversation. And first, you know, I, I just wanted to start with some basic, basic information, because I think for most Americans, even though there are lots of smart people at our church, lots of people who are even involved in geopolitics and stuff, still, I think there's lots of confusion about mm. some of the basic, basic information around this. And so if you don't mind, I'm going to ask some very, very basic questions that I think will just help clarify some of what's been going on in the news. So, first of all, Palestine. When we're talking about Palestine, we're actually talking about two separate regions, right? Gaza and the West Bank. And so, how would you first distinguish those? Like, what, what is Palestine and how does it kind of break off into those two regions? So, I'm from the West Bank, lived in the West Bank most of my life, first 22 years. In the West Bank... And the West Bank is actually east of Israel, yes? Yeah, but it is the West Bank of the Jordan River. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so that is why it's called the West Bank. The West Bank is run by the Palestinian Authority, and the Palestinian Authority is, again, run by this political party called 
Fatah, and they are a secular political party. And Hamas, sorry, not Hamas, Gaza is under siege. They are ruled by Hamas, which is an a right Islamist group. So you say under siege, you mean they're currently under siege, or are you sort of referring to that in general they're, they are kind of in a siege situation? In, in general, when Hamas took over that region, Israel considered that region being run by an Islamist group to be a threat, and so they put them under siege. All of the borders are controlled by Israel. So they basically walled them off. And now Gaza is, is a much smaller region yeah. than the West Bank. It is. Yeah. And so Gaza is kind of this really tight area. I, I've i read that it's very, very densely populated. Yeah. yeah. One of the most, if not the most densely populated place in the world. Yeah. yeah. And, and so just to be clear, Gaza has its own separate government from the West Bank. So they have two separate governments. The populations are separated. These are not connecting landforms, right? No. So Gaza is on the west side, bordering Egypt and the Mediterranean Sea and Israel. And then the West Bank is on the east side, right? And is a is sort of a bigger area and has a different government, a secular government versus the more Islamist government that Hamas runs in Gaza. Yep, that is exactly yeah. right. So just in case anyone might be confused, when we mention densely populated, it's statistically speaking, the portion of land available to the number of people there. Um, it is a very small plot of land. Here in America, we have, or in general in the West, we have leftist and right-leaning politics. Mm -hmm. In Islam, the left and right, while maybe similar, it means things that are very different. Mm. You, for example, when Hara was explaining that Hamas is more of a right Islamist group, they take the teachings and the callings in Islam very seriously, regardless of humanitarian, humanitarian beliefs or outrage, just common decency, if you will. Mm. Whereas the Palestinian Authority tend to be more left, meaning regardless of certain teachings in the Hadith or the Quran, they, they tend to be more humanitarian towards others who don't, who aren't Muslims or don't agree with them on things. Mm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that, is that, is yeah, that I, pretty I would, accurate? I would say that is pretty accurate. But when, as it pertains to the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, for example, the Palestinian Authority is very much rooting for a two-state solution, mm. and they will lean more towards working for peace than mm. Hamas would. Yeah. And so, like the Palestinian Authority on the West Bank has actually acknowledged the state of Israel, and um, whereas Hamas. You know, it says in its charter that it actually will not recognize Israel and it actually wants to eliminate Israel as a state, maybe even as a people, right? And so there's very different characters between these two organizations, but I'm, I'm also wondering that if there is connection between the two, is there an mm -hmm. ethnic connection? Is there a general feeling of solidarity? Do, do people... 
to do Palestinians in the West Bank see Palestinians in Gaza differently? What's the relationship between? It tends to be very troubled. Some families have relatives in Gaza, even though they're living in West Bank. But in general, in general, in the West Bank, you have Palestinian Authority pushing for peace. However, whenever something happens with Hamas, then it it just it derails the conversations. Mm. And unfortunately, the Palestinian Authority does not have much say so in as far as what happens in Gaza with Hamas. Mm. And Hamas is not a very humanitarian government. No, I, I've used the term government very loosely because it, it is a very oppressive regime, even for the citizens there. And so when folks are emotionally charged, it is very easy for them to get frustrated and even name call the citizens mm-hmm. of Gaza. Mm-hmm. But it's unfortunately in a war-torn land, like you, you have the common understanding of regardless of what the government is doing as a civilian, it's not something you would ever root for. Mm. And you, there is a lot of sympathy and even empathy going towards the citizens of Gaza there Mm. from my exposure. Mm. I would say that for sure there is lots of sympathy towards, I mean, for civilians and what they're going through, there's no way that they, they wouldn't sympathize. But even with... Hamas militant attacks. My experience has been that over the last um, five, ten years, there has been growing support of Hamas, not of their ideology, but of the fact that they are doing something Mm. that makes people feel like they're less helpless. So, Mm. for example, in colleges in the West Bank, the student council is run by different political parties. So when you vote for student council, there's a debate normally, and you watch them debating each other, and then you vote for either, you know, Fatah or Hamas are the ones that could potentially win. And the college I went to was one of the most secular colleges in Mm. the West Bank. It's actually, it was led by a Christian, it was started by a Christian family, and it's, they still have Sundays off because it's in a Christian town, and Normally, Fatah would be the one that would win the elections in the student council. The four years I was in college, Hamas won all four elections. Mm. And part of that was because it had nothing to do with the people believing in Hamas's ideology. I had gay friends who voted for Hamas. Mm. They were not Mm. believing in their ideology in the slightest. Yet they voted for them because... Of all of the wars that they saw that were led on Gaza Mm. and the fact that the only people that did something in response or the only Mm. entity that did something in response was Hamas. Mm. And so that support had nothing to do with like Islamic radicalism Mm. or the fact that they support it or don't support it. What Mm. they wanted is to feel like someone is standing up for the lives that have been Mm. lost. Mm. And again... The last, after 2009, which is when all of these attacks on Gaza started, every two years there would be, you know, similar kind of pattern. There is an increasing popularity for Hamas. Mm. And again, people don't really live 
a radical Muslim life, but mm. they just think that Hamas is getting things done, and yeah. they sympathize with the fact that they're doing that. That's a valuable perspective. I mean, I think it's clear that Palestinians are not monolithic, right? That Palestinians don't all believe in the same thing, and their own sort of support for different issues can be nuanced and be varied. And from what I understand, the Palestinians in the West Bank have long been frustrated with their government, the Palestinian Authority, just as people in Gaza have been frustrated with Hamas and with the way they've governed. And yet, even with all of the differences of opinions and frustrations going on, there's still kind of this sense of would you say that there's a sense of solidarity or, you know, just sympathy that, you know, we're kind of all in this together, we're, we all want our people as a whole to, you know, be in a better place? I would say so for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's the sad part. Yeah. Hamas weaponizes that against mm. the civilians in the region. Mm. And it, it puts everyone in a precarious position because what do you, there's a conflict, there's a war. Yeah. It's like, how do you, how can you possibly go about responding to what happened without, without civilian lives getting in the way when, one, it's a super densely populated area. Mm. So even if, even if civilians weren't being utilized as, as shields or even as propaganda material it's very difficult to begin with it's a huge disadvantage mm. and uh, I don't know it, it's it's just a situation where I'm like there's I can't think of any humanly possible way to respond without there being a lot of I don't like calling people collateral damage just mm. casualties yeah would you say that there's there's a similar situation going on in Israel where a lot of Israelis haven't been all united behind Netanyahu. In yeah. fact, he's been a very polarizing figure in that country, their prime minister. And yet, given this moment of crisis for them, they now have this unity government and people are kind of deciding, even with all of our differences, and even though we still don't like the guy, maybe, you know, some yeah. of us still don't like the guy. and you know, are, are maybe not as trustful of them. Still, we have to kind of all at least be on the same page in, in sort of taking care of ourselves, I guess yeah. you would say. It, the situation definitely quells political division. Yeah. It 100% quells political division on, on both sides. Yeah. yeah. Or all sides, rather. Uh, even, uh, even for every other nation in the world it's you you stay quiet you're complicit mm. right that there's there's that statement you don't stay quiet and it's like okay well who do you support yeah do you even know the do you even know the facts to know who you should support yeah yeah and then the minute you support one side there's a whole slew of consequences mm. with that and it, it's it, it's a very difficult situation for everybody outside the conflict much much less who are living there, dealing with it every day. Mm. 
I know this conversation just feels like it's getting started. And it is. Next week, we'll delve into Mo and Howda's own personal histories and journeys of faith, which informs their viewpoints on these current events. We pray our discussion was edifying to you, and we'd love to hear any feedback. Mark's email is mark at newcityva.org. Stephen Price provided the music, and you can find more of it at almadogma.bandcamp.com. That's A-L-M-A-D-O-G-M-A dot bandcamp.com. We're recording on equipment generously donated by Sonny Kim, and you can find out more about our church at newcityva.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, watch those windows.